There are many ways people listen to vision, including through a PC at work. When you fire up your computer at work, go to vision.org.au slash listen and click the Vision or V180 Listen Live buttons. You can also catch the latest Vision National News Bulletin and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts from the same page all while you work. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. With insight into Chasing After God, Dr. Michael Youssef. How many times have you come to your interview resources and said to yourself, this is where I will settle? And God is saying, no, I want to take you further. Don't let fear keep you from going further. Don't let fatigue stop you from climbing the mountain of God. There are lessons that's to be learned as you keep on going. Welcome to Leading the Way with pastor and author, Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth in 27 languages around the world. One of the most beloved men in Bible history is Abraham. And today, Dr. Yusuf begins a deep dive into Abraham's life, choices, and failures, all of these ingredients in his legendary faith. Let's join Dr. Michael Yusuf in Genesis chapter 11. I had an opportunity to listen to a speech that was given by a leader in the art community. This speech was given in a local school during their Christian Emphasis Week. The speaker is a recipient of numerous awards and prizes. He is respected by our cultural elite. In his speech, he not only sought to tear to shreds the essence of the Christian faith, indeed he prided himself in his outright rejection of it. All of that to an impressionable mind's without any opportunity or equal opportunity for rebuttal. After listening to that speech very carefully, my mind's eyes have wandered back after I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought of a man, another man that I had met. He was not powerful, hardly. He was not famous, far from it. He was not rich or influential. In fact, he was a dry cleaner, ironing my clothes and my family's clothes. This man, after giving his life to the Lord, had a simple prayer. Lord God, I long to read your word. You see, he was illiterate. He was not educated. He could not read or write. And God supernaturally have answered that prayer. And this simple man would open the Bible and he would read it beautifully. And the same time you hand him over the newspaper. And he could not make head or tail, even of the big headlines. As I contrasted the two men, the powerful and the famous, with the nobody and the illiterate. My mind's eyes soared forward to the day of judgment. And I thought of this prominent man when he dies in his unbelief. And then this unknown, unheard, unsung man 
die in the Lord Jesus Christ. I imagined the unbeliever coming into eternal hell and damnation. And he would react this way. I know why I'm here. I have rejected what I was taught to be the truth. I am here because I have refused to accept my father's teaching. No one put me here. I put myself here by my choice. For let me assure you, that's exactly what's going to happen in a day of judgment. No one is going to say to God, you've given me a raw deal, God. Because they will see it as it is. And then I thought of my friend. What would he say when he sees Jesus face to face? Jesus whom he loved. Jesus whom he believed. Jesus whom he trusted. Jesus whom he served. He's going to say, Jesus, you have kept your promise. Jesus, you have kept your word. Jesus, the devil tempted me not to trust you and not to trust in your promises. But I knew you'll keep your word. Jesus, my friends and my culture and my society tried to make me doubt your word. But I knew you're going to keep your promises. If the life of Abraham teaches us anything, it teaches us that God keeps his promise. Always. God never reneges on his promise. God is patient. Oh, he is patient. God is long-suffering. God is persevering. But he always keeps his promise. Turn with me as we begin the series of studies From the life of this man, Abraham, beginning at Genesis 11, verse 24 to 12, 3. The first thing you notice about Abraham is this, that he was an ordinary man. He uttered no prophecy. He wrote no books. He composed no music. He sang no songs. His credentials were the least bit impressive. And I am certain he never wore a clerical collar. He was far from the limelight as you can get. He never got invited to the White House for dinner. He was never on anyone's cocktail list. And I'm sure he never given an interview to any of the networks. But he was available for God to use, and God used him. But he had one major problem. He was a pagan, comes from pagan family. They're worshiping idols. And it does take a while for Abraham from the era of Chaldeans to become Abraham, the friend of God. Abraham's folks in the era of Chaldeans, which is actually near modern Iraq today. That's where they were from. They were called Habiri. And the word from which we get the Hebrews. And the Habiris means they were travelers. They traveled quite a bit. In fact, one scholar suggested that they were called thus because they were involved in renting camels and donkeys to the travelers. So, this is where you get your very first Ivers rent-a-camel. <laughs> <laughs> Abraham's dad, Terah, had three boys. Abraham was the first, Haran and Nahor. As the boys grew up, Terah became very proud of his boys until tragedy struck. Haran died in his very arms. 
And as a result, Terah would become very possessive of his other two boys. It wasn't long before another tragedy was about to, to strike in old Terah's tent. Abraham got religious, and he wants to leave home. He's called to the mission field. I want to give you a Middle Eastern insight of how possibly this has all taken place. Are you ready for it? Abraham pops his head in the flap of his father's tent. He said, can I come? I see you. And the father said, yes. And after they sipped some of that dark coffee, Abraham said, Father, God, the creator of heaven and earth, called me to leave home and go to Canaan. And here's how a Middle Eastern father would react. <laughs> what? <laughs> and you leave your poor old dad? <laughs> you mean you're going to desert your father who have been good to you? <laughs> Who's going to take care of me in my old age? I don't trust Nahor, he's a scatterbrain. <laughs> you're going nowhere, son, without me. <laughs> Why do you think God called Abraham? To leave the Ur of Chaldeans. One of the reasons is to get him away from idol worship. Is to get him away from his godless family. And his godless friends. And his bad company. And when God calls you to himself, the first thing he wants you to do, he wants me to do, is to get away from immorality of the past. To get away from the addiction of the past. To get away from the bad habits of the past. To get away from the wrong crowd of the past. So the next day, Abraham comes home from work. And here, his father, Terah, had everything packed. Where are you going, father? Whatever your God is telling you, I'm with you. Wherever you go. Oh, really? Verse 31. So they get going on their way to Canaan. But what happened? They get halfway... And they're about halfway. This is a beautiful oasis town of Haran. And there they stay. <laughs> Why? You see, in Terah, there was a great temple for the moon god. And Terah saw this and he got so excited. <laughs> I mean, he saw this temple of the moon there. And he thought he died and went to heaven. So he said to Abraham, he said, son... I came with you this far, but no further. But Dad, God said to go to Canaan. Oh, this is as good as Canaan. <laughs> it's a, one city as good as the other. One problem. Very simple problem. That is not where God said for him to be. How many times have you and I settled for something short of God's perfect plan for our lives? How many times have we come to the point of our spiritual journey and say, this is it, we're not going any further? How many times have you come to your end of your resources and say to yourself, this is where I will settle? And God is saying, no, I want to take you further. I want to take you beyond this point. I want to move you further. I want you to look upward and highward. Don't settle in the heart and in your life. Don't let fear Keep you from going further. Don't let fatigue stop you from progressing. Don't let your spiritual laziness stop you from going into Canaan. Don't let 
the outward attraction of the valley stop you from climbing the mountain of God. There are lessons that's to be learned as you keep on going. There are glories that can only be seen as you obey perfectly my will. And God is saying to us, I want to take you from your comfort zone. I want to move you further with me into intimacy with me. That is my desire, the desire of my heart. That is why I called you to myself. Are you hung up in Haran? Are you unwilling to take the step that will separate you from the wrong friends, from the wicked institutions, from the harmful influences? Is your life cluttered with improper priority? Are you continuing to plead the promises of God with one side of your mouth and then breaking every biblical principle with the other? And wonder, what's wrong with me? What is happening to me? Abraham, at this point of his life, embodies the life of the stagnant Christian. And he stopped in his condition for six years. For six years, Abraham was marred in the murky water of partial obedience. Oh, God forbid that I would be caught in that partial obedience. Finally, when Terah dies, God renews his call upon Abraham's life. And in chapter 12, the first three verses, God gives Abraham a seven-fold blessing. At this point, Abraham was 75 years old. He's an old man. And God was saying to him, Abraham, get off your blessed assurance. Take up where you've left off six years ago. Please listen to me very carefully. As long as you are breathing, it is never too late. Abraham was 75. God said, pick up where you left off. Get going. And Abraham gets excited at the renewal of God's call. And he goes to Nahor, his brother. He said, guess what, brother Nahor? That's a use of translation, but it makes the point. This time he's not listening to pagan advice. For God has spoken. Here, what are these sevenfold promises? Well, first, God said, I will make you a great nation. Secondly, I will bless you. Thirdly, I will make your name great. Fourthly, I shall make you a blessing. Fifthly, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. In you, all the families of the earth shall bless themselves or be blessed. Look at the first promise. God will make him a great nation. Think about it. Abraham was an old man. The whole world knows that Sarah is barren. She can't bear children. And God said, I will make you a great nation. As we shall see later on in this series of sermons from the life of Abraham and Sarah, both of them, when their faith faltered, when their faith began to fail, they both tried to help God in their ways. But neither could help God. Why? Now why? Because God doesn't need any help in fulfilling His promises. All He wants is unconditional obedience. That's all He wants. Secondly, he said, I will bless you. 
Boy, I reflected upon this. Do you know what it means to live under the blessing of God? You know what it means? It means that God will look out for you. It means that God will move on your behalf. It means that God will concern himself with your life and what concerns you. It means that God desires to bless you. That is the desire of his heart. It is only when you and I run away from his shadow, when you and I run away from his shelter, cause ourselves all kinds of trouble and pain. Later on, Moses explained what God means by this blessing in Deuteronomy 28, 13. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commands of the Lord your God, which I command you today. My friend, when you know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of your life, you are the descendant of Abraham by faith. And God's promises to Abraham are yours. Thirdly, God will make Abraham's name great. Isn't it like the Lord, you know, to take this obscure man from the Ur of Chaldeas? He's a nobody. Nobody ever heard of him. And he leads him out of the land, away from his people, even his father's house. And then he makes nearly three and a half billion people around the world all clamoring to be associated with him. (laughs) The Jews by race, the Christians by faith, and the Muslims through Ishmael. Fourthly, Abraham is to be a blessing. You see, it is one thing to receive the blessing of God. It is one thing to enjoy the blessing of God. And it's totally another thing for you to be a blessing to others. God never blesses so we can bask in His blessing. That is not the way God works. That's not the character of the God of the Scripture. God's way of blessing is that we may be a blessing to others. Abraham was blessed. Why? In order that he may be a blessing to many. God does not intend to stop with us. No. He wants to channel, wants us to channel his blessings. And the faster we channel his blessings, the faster he keeps pouring it in. And the faster we channel it, the faster he'll pour it in. And the fifth and the sixth In the sevenfold blessings, he said, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. That needs an explanation. Why did God call Abraham? Why Abraham? Because of his good looks? I rather doubt it. Because of his intelligence? I got news for you. God could have done much better in Egypt. I mean, they were doing high math and calculus when the rest of the world banging on their chest, you know. (laughs) And I'm not biased. (laughs) It wasn't his looks, wasn't his intelligence. But God called Abraham, a man chosen by God, to be an instrument of fulfilling God's purpose for the world. That's it. And those who align themselves with the purpose of God will come under His blessing. 
And those who refuse to align themselves under the purpose of God will experience His curse of judgment. This, this is a universal principle. Just mark it down. God does not curse anybody in the sense of looking down from heaven and hollering some, some, some thunderbolts and fits of anger. No. Listen. Judgment is the other side of mercy. God's curse is the other side of blessing. You and I have a choice. We really do. These individuals that I've contrasted in the beginning of the sermon had a choice. Go with God and know His blessing. Go against God and know His curse. God said, choose as a blessing or choose a curse. Which one do you choose? You have to bear the consequences of your choice. God sets the road before you and you make the choice. And the seventh blessing, he said, all the families of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. What does that mean? The Lord is saying this. One day I'm going to be bringing into the world someone who is a physical descendant of you, Abraham. And when he comes, he's going to bring blessings to the whole earth. Jesus, the son of Abraham, is the fulfillment of the covenant promises. And anyone who will come to him will be blessed. Anyone who will reject him will be cursed. Anyone who will reject him will experience the judgment of God. And I want to tell you, this is valid in America. It is valid in Asia. Is valid in Europe, is valid in Africa, is valid in every continent and everywhere where there is a breath. Intimacy with God and the experiencing of the blessing of God and witnessing the fulfillment of the promises of God requires obedience. No, it requires unconditional obedience to God. Obedience, foundational to fully experiencing the promises of God. Practical words from our teacher on leading the way, Dr. Michael Yusuf. Listen to this and other messages by Dr. Yusuf when you go to ltw.org. That's also where you can find a link to Leading the Way's app and other technologies to dig further into the truth of God's word. ltw.org. You know, I'm sure many of you think that Leading the Way is just one more of the Bible teachers you can hear on this station or podcast platform, but it's much more. Leading the Way is a ministry reaching into the homes and hearts of people across six continents in 27 of the world's most spoken and understood languages. A good portion of the international outreach of the ministry is by way of navigator distribution. These are MP3 devices loaded with teaching from Dr. Yusuf in a dual language format. That's kind of hard to describe, so listen to an audio sample from a Leading the Way Navigator. Hello, listening friends. We are delighted that you tuned in. دوستان شنونده سلام. خوشحالیم که به ما ملحق شده اید. We are delighted to tell you that we are bringing you a series of messages on the cross. خوشحالیم که به شما بگوییم از امروز یک سلسله درسهایی را درباره صلیب شروع می کنیم. And then we're going to talk about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Dr. Yusuf's teaching navigates listeners toward an introduction to Jesus, then guides them into topics about Christian living. Plus, the navigators contain an audio Bible. Earlier this year, many leading the way navigators were given to refugees coming out of Afghanistan. So many lives were touched at a difficult time. Learn how you can help the gospel reach the nations when you call 1-300-133-589. 1-300-133-589. And you can also visit ltw.org. ltw.org. And you can write to Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Well, time's up for today, but listen again next time as Dr. Yusuf continues his series, Abraham, Journey of Faith, right here on Leading the Way. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.